0: Here we are on the banks of the Royal Canal in Dublin's north inner city, and it was in this water that I swam as a young man. This really was our swimming pool. This is also where we hung out when we midged from school, and I had the unenviable job of being sent out from school to ask the Mitchers to come in.
1: Pancho Nolan! You want it! School inspectors looking for you, Pancho, I'm not messing. Stick me head in a book of a if I'm lying, Pancho. She was God.
2: My name is Martin Drury, and I'm directing Peter Sheridan's new play, Finders Keepers at the Peacock. And the director is a bit like the I think the head chef in the restaurant. Um, uh, there are there are several other chefs working, um, but you have to have as director responsibility for for bringing the whole thing together. I mean essentially uh, in the pre-rehearsal period it's about working with the text Um, in this case because it's a new play and the writer is alive and kicking, uh, there's been a lot of uh, work between Peter and myself uh, in terms of getting to this point. Um, So text work, rewrites, edits, a kind of uh, a trust and 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 a kind of a sharing of the script and the ideas and the story and the characters between himself and myself. And that's in fact, in this particular case, is, is continuing because Peter's staying you know, close enough to the rehearsal period so there can be script changes and, and all of that uh, during the rehearsals. Yeah. I think we should have, the, I think we should have this... It's, we should have this second option. I mean, whatever about Donal... If, if, if we discovered that it wasn't possible you know, to, to wet yourself excessively on stage, albeit hidden from view, we might find that we get away with it from, with Donal. But um, even Donald would need to be there from about 8 o'clock once the house has been let in.
1: No, in the second half they've got to take their togs off. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so they got with the towel. That's why the yeah, they got with oh. the towel, do you see? Oh, no. Yeah. So they take the togs off. That's a whole and, lot of business,
3: isn't
0: it? And, yeah. So we put a few supports where yeah. applicable, and if you need anything else, the brace off. But the three quarter plates in the base yeah. should hold out if there's yeah, any. That's you know,
4: grand. They won't yeah. be seen, see. No, we well won't see yeah. it. You might actually just catch that a sight of the floor here. Right. So just be aware of that under here.
0: The end of this, this is going to be boxed up in three quarter. Yeah. You know,
5: just uh, to be too heavy to use other timbers in it.
4: Oh, yeah. There are ideas to talk about, really, so we get to help kind of think about the characters and to give, give the wardrobe people an impression of the kind of period and the sort of clothes we're looking for but things could easily change like the, for instance the uniforms whether they're in uniform or not yeah, or maybe yeah. they a bit more in uniform at the end when Pancho comes back in or going away clothes you know he gets on something to go away so we don't know yet exactly um and the the, the old ladies again i mean how much they're going to look like real witches I don't know this stage. Actually, I've spent a bit of time in the, in the photographic library, you know, the National Photographic Library. I've gone through all their files, and I've been looking in books as well, um, photographs of Dublin, you know, in the 60s and things like that. And I have a few books on the 60s, um, but mostly from photographs of... of um, like, I've found pictures of Cumberland Street Market in the 1960s and things like that, you know the women's clothes. And I also actually rang a few people and I got some photos sent me by somebody who was at school in um, in that area in that time and he had photos of, of himself in school and friends. And
0: it's a new play um, it's actually set in the same locale that the theatre is situated in. The play is set on the Royal Canal near the mouth of the river in Dublin 1. The theatre is also in Dublin 1 so geographically And spiritually, you would think its home is in the theatre closest to where the play takes place.
5: To me, the biggest statement that the Abbey makes is what has it decided to put on its stages. I see a measure of conservatism there, a, a lack of ability or desire to take real risks. In that, for example, there are no new plays being staged on the Abbey main stage during the centenary. When the Abbey has insisted throughout its life and continues to its insists that it's a writer's theater. The relationship between the Abbey and the Peacock, I think, has always been... There, there will always be, a, not necessarily a contention, but a tension there in terms of, well, what is the Peacock the place where the small work happens? What does small mean? Is small not as important as big? All of those questions come up. I personally am someone that gravitates towards experimental work, towards risky work, towards the kind of stuff that would be in a black box rather than a big proscenium stage that's just my personal predilection so the peacocks of the of the world are the places where my attention and energy would go. I think that under Ben Barnes there was there's been a, a desire and action taken to help the peacock develop its own identity by hiring an, its own director in Ally Curran and by there being a certain amount of dialogue being generated by the theatre about it being a site for the new, the experimental, the cross-disciplinary.
0: Once you get into a theatre of over four or 500 seats, the Abbey is 660, you're into a space that has to be programmed in a particular way. You can't be putting on work that you think is really for a small audience in a big theatre. I would have to say that in a space like the Peacock, you can afford to take more risks, you can afford to take more chances. It's 150 seats, 80 people feels like a crowd in the Peacock, you know. So you don't have the same constraints of having to make commercial sense. So very much the, the Peacock has always been seen in a kind of a way as the experimental arm of the bigger theatre and <laughs> the place where you can afford to take chances. Um, you know, ironically, Finders Keepers has become a big commercial success for the theatre. You know, totally word of mouth, the theatre's been filling every night just with people who've been coming and obviously ringing their friends to say, you know, this is a a really interesting new play, very entertaining, very funny, very warm, very evocative, very sentimental. All of the things that I like myself when I go to see a play, I like all those things. Um, Although we seem to be a little bit afraid of sentiment in Ireland right now, I have no problem with it. I like plays that make my eyes well up with tears.
1: You can see, like, uh, this is just uh, additional uh, script I've written in here. this is one page towards quite a few changes, uh, so therefore I've had to write it on the other side um, because um, um, eventually this will get retyped again, and I'll have a nice clean sheet. But it, it's too early in the day to 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 go and do that because there, there may still be a couple of alterations uh, there. Just going on to another page you can see I've, I've um, say I've numbers marked uh, at various lines on the script and one two three and four and then on the on the left hand side I've got the one two three four and that corresponds to the line in the script and that tells me uh, what this is what I was saying about the blocking uh, tells me what was happening on that particular line or uh, what the actor was doing, as I say, whether they were moving upstage, downstage, making an exit, or whatever. Faeces is a proper name for Shaita, sure, you know do F-A-E-C-E-S. I wrote it in an essay once. Nine and a half fingers called me up to the top of the class and asked me to explain it. That's our teacher, Brother Dennehy. Everyone calls him Nine and a Half Fingers 'cause fingers because half his little fingers is missing. My boy at another school bit it off him. Should have got a medal for doing it. But he got sent to Artane instead. That's where you go if you're too young for jail. Nine and a Half asked me what faeces was. I didn't want to say shite, so said nothing. You're using big words and you don't know what it means. I do know what it means, I said.
3: He was waiting for me to say "shite" so he could give me a clatter. Well, I just fell in love with the play. I mean, it, it, the Founders Keepers actually had a ha, had a history um, with another theatre, and uh, through various circumstances, it wasn't able to go ahead. My primary function really is to f- develop programmes for the Peacock Stage, which are hopefully reflective of contemporary Irish culture. Um, so I would be looking at uh, obviously commissioning and the writers that we commission across the spectrum um in terms of gender in terms of age in terms of subject um in terms of the regional the urban um northern irish southern irish um, and then, also looking at uh, where our um, responsibility lies towards kind of the evolving language of theater. You know, um how do we embrace nonverbal theater, for example, which is increasingly becoming um, a- an area of uh, interest for for young directors who want to work maybe with more visual aids uh, and less, you know text-oriented work, um and how do we introduce work from other countries, other writing? Um, you know, other styles. So, um, that's my primary, um, function is to is to have an overarching kind of, uh, eye kept on the program and the policy, and hopefully present work that is interesting, entertaining, and exciting, and reflective of you know twenty first century Ireland.
6: The Abbey is very good at bringing in people, from all over the country, from different aspects of the theatre culture, people who you know would have been, you know, say in Ali's case involved with the Fringe Festival suddenly she's there in the abbey or in the peacock you know in 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 the heart of things and in a sense that has always been the abbey's strength as an institution you know and i think that's where their strength in the future will lie is to be able to draw the people in who are working perhaps outside the mainstream and pull them into the to the to the heart of it in many ways that has been always where the Abbey has seen its future, I mean, since the Peacock opened in the current building, it was always very much, you know, this is where we're going to develop the new work. And while it's, it's a very, very nice space, there are obvious limitations to it. And I think that, you know, something with, with more capacity, if you like, in terms of particularly technical capacity, could produce a whole new generation of very, very different Irish writing.
2: Um, can you, Aaron, take it back from come back into school for the rest of the yeah. day? Come on, yeah.
1: Come on out to school for the rest of the day. If you're going to trouble, we can't leave these bottles here. Someone will nick them,
7: put them inside the, the pipe.
1: There's two shillings worth of bottles there. Get
2: the money on, on them and then come into school. I couldn't see it and spew up money in my pocket. That's what the Chinese do. I the money and then go to school. Okay, so there is something. I'm not sure that that's absolutely right, but there is something about yeah. the pushing that I think that might be. You know, when we come back after the break, I think we'll 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 look at that. You know, because it's quite. I think we might. It might. We might be too early with it. It might be that. You take the first one. Excuse me, there's two shillings worth there. I and mean, don't mind him. Is that don't mind him? Reds or A lot of it initially is is about uh, reading, uh, talking about the text, talking about the characters, um, then getting up on your getting up on your hind legs, as the actors say, onto the, onto the floor, uh, and uh, beginning to bring it alive physically, um, so that you start to see, uh, I suppose, the dynamics of the relationships, because in many ways, uh, outside of text and outside of words, many of the relationships are conveyed uh, through the physical interaction, um, the way people stand, the way people sit, the way people move, the way people group together or don't group together, all of that. And and I think, you know, as a live art form, theatre is very dependent um particularly uh, i suppose text based theater you know you can there's always a danger that it will just sort of sit down and become a kind of a a talking experience so you've to you've to really very quickly get up on the floor and start to establish how um the 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 text comes alive not simply in the mouths of the actors but also in the in the in the in the in the kind of the physical interaction well
8: I've been at the Abbey eight years now and I work on all the productions so yeah Phelim who plays the character of of Pancho um, you know who he is you know he is really the only actor who who does come from Dublin and has the authentic accent so we're trying to pull you know, the other actor is kind of closer towards his accent at the same time as being sure that, you know, all the voices and all the text is clear and open. One of the things about Finders Keepers is that there's young actors and the young actors are playing even younger characters. So that's a, that's a challenge. I mean, how do you, you know, the actors are, I mean, just in their early 20s, but they're playing 14-year-olds. And so, you know, you don't want to... You know, you you want to be sure that you are authentic enough as that as that sort of teenage boy or, or or teenage girl. So that's a challenge. And also, you know, the actors are early on in their career. So so again, it's you know it's about they're getting used to the stage. They're getting used to it's not a big stage, the Peacock, but you still need you know clarity and you need to know what you're doing. So yeah, that's that's the kind of challenges I'm I'm facing with this one. Really, you know, an ax, accent and. Uh, and youth, I suppose.
0: <laughs> the play really came from two separate ideas, two events that happened um, almost 30 years apart. Uh, when I was a young fella, um, I remember in school, one of my best friends, uh, his father was a docker, um, and working down on the docks, the really privileged dockers had what was called a button, which was like a right to work, it was a badge. And I remember, my friend's father sold his button, which was unheard of. He, like you, it was like selling your birthright. The implication of it was that the son would now not have a job on the docks when he left, when he when he graduated from school or did his primary cert or whatever. And I always remember that sticking in my head. And then the story afterwards was that he drank the money uh, and gambled it and didn't put it to any good use. Thirty years later, uh, an event happened. There were two old sisters across the road, two Protestant sisters across the road, and they were in their eighties and nineties. The two sisters were broken into. And my mother actually saw the men who robbed the house running away, knocked on my door. I went over to investigate and I found these bags full of money stuffed with five pound, ten pound notes. Now, these two old ears never had a penny. They used to sort of beg out in the street because we lived near Crow Park. And on match days, they'd be out begging on the street asking people for money. And I was just astonished that all this money was in the house. So I kind of combined the two stories. I just thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if when I was a kid that we had stumbled upon that money and my friend whose father had sold his button would then have the facility to buy the button back. Wouldn't that be a wonderful moral dilemma? For young people to have. Very often in the first week, and what I'm certainly doing in the
2: first uh, two weeks, I suppose, of this rehearsal period, is, is, is I'm, I'm working one week on Act One and one week on Act Two, and by the time we start Act Three, hopefully, the play will be, will be, well, <clears throat> will be well sketched. Um, it, it, um, it takes time, sometimes the sketch that you've made, of course, when you go back to it, is, is, um, is no longer useful to you. But at least it means that you're starting with that. And John Stapleton, who's the stage director, will be putting the moves you know, in pencil uh, into, into uh, the prompt book, into the, into the book of the show. And therefore, if we come back to a scene six or seven days after we've first done it, there's a sort of a record in case any of us have forgotten uh, of how it was at that point. Now that record is not meant to be uh, a straitjacket, but it's to it's to it's a kind of a scaffolding for us to say, okay, well that's where we were the last time, and and uh, and that's in that slow way. I suppose over a period of weeks, you know, the actors learn their lines, they learn their moves but they're learning internally, it's in, it's in the physical reality of the moves and of the lines that they actually also begin to, to kind of become more and more familiar with the, with, 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 with the character.
3: He knows he done wrong, he wants to get that button
2: back, he wants to pass it on to you just like his father. Dad knows he messed that up, Pancho. He's not all bad. It's been very hard for him without Mammy. Don't start
1: me on that. He misses her terrible. You're not the only one who does, you know. And who killed Mammy? Me or him? No one killed her. She died of cancer.
3: That's not what he thinks. He blames me.
1: I was there when the doctor came out to him.
7: I
2: was beside him. He started to cry right there in the corridor. He should have been at
7: home with her. Instead of being in the pub. He killed that. That's what we think. At Root, art does not exist without the self of the artist and the other of the viewer or whoever, member of the audience. The engagement that I believe is necessary is a process of investigation into what a national theatre could be without presuming we know what conclusion we'll come to. So rather than saying, we have a national theatre, this is what it is, and therefore this is what it should do, and this is how it should be funded and so forth. It would be very interesting for the National Theatre, as presently constituted, to engage in a period of, if you like, research and investigation through practice and through programming into what a National Theatre was, is, and needs to be in the future.
6: The challenge that any theatre, that's a National Theatre, has to face is the basic problem that theatre as a form is not national in this sense that theatre happens in a particular place at a particular time on a certain night. It's an event. So unlike something like say radio or television which happens all over the country at the same moment and is national in that way, theatre in a sense is local or regional. So in order to be national the theatre has to either tour or it has to bring the audience from around the nation to itself. And while the Abbey has tried to do both those things in varying degrees over the years, I don't think anybody's ever really thought that through in terms of the function of a national theatre. So I think one of the things that the Abbey perhaps might want to try and think through over the next century, if you like, is how it becomes fully national in that sense, how it becomes a theatre for the whole nation.
5: All the more discussion that we can have, the more abbey debates, the more articles written, the more open, frank exchange of views that might get heated, I would would say I would welcome that. Because if you look at the precedent of Patrick Mason's dialogue with the Theatre of the Nation, if you look at the precedent of the gate controversy of recent years, I think we're all in a better place for having publicly talked about those preconceptions and biases at this stage in its history to be opening up its doors and saying, let's all of us talk about what we're doing and what you're doing and what you think of us because the Abbey does, yes, underfunded, but yes, the Abbey does get the lion's share of resources, government resources for theatre in this country. And as such, it has privilege and responsibility.
0: People get hung up on buildings in Ireland, I suppose, because of our history. I've never believed that the building is the issue. I've always believed that the ideas are the issue. You know, the building can change. I remember when the Abbey opened in in 67, 66, 67, and people talking about this great new state-of-the-art theatre. Well, what went wrong? Like 30, 35 years later, people are not saying the Gaiety doesn't work as a space. They're not saying the Olympia doesn't work as a space. But they're saying this Abbey Theatre, that was the flagship project, doesn't work as a space. And it is true. It doesn't work. In many ways, it was a disaster. That has to be recognised. That has to be acknowledged. Now, it's been disastrous, not just in terms of um, the plays and uh, and the lack of facilities for the players and what you can do on the Abbey stage. Um, It's also not been a good space for audiences. You think of my plays on, on The Peacock. It doesn't have wheelchair access in 2004. It's criminal, actually. When you think that where we're at now, and you talk about national and the idea that something is available to all of the people and represents all of the people, then it should be at the forefront of making theatre accessible to the largest number of people, and particularly to those who are marginalised. So that obviously brings in the whole question of the touring responsibility, that the Abbey have a responsibility to get out there on the road. Well, we all know that within the cutbacks of the last two years, Nobody has been able to afford to tour theatre. You know, it's been one of the great shames
6: um, brought upon us by the cutbacks. I think um, th- there are two issues there, at least. One of which is that when the current abbey was built, it was built, I think, almost as a renunciation of the abbey's earlier heritage. That the plays in which the abbey's Reputation, if you like, is based, at going back to the beginning of the 20th century, plays of Singh, um, plays of O'Casey, were written for a much, much smaller stage. And if you look closely at those plays, look at Singh, um, look at O'Casey, there are plays about claustrophobia. There are plays where people can't get away from each other. You know, O'Casey's characters tear each other to bits because they can't get out of each other's paths and it's the same with sing's plays so that big stage has always presented a problem in terms of presenting the plays from the abbey's past so i think that's one fundamental problem is the need for a more flexible stage if you like a more intimate stage perhaps but then the other thing of course is with the development of new irish writing and the ways in which perhaps irish writing could be pushed forward using a different kind of stage arrangement. Now, I know that's been done in the Peacock, but I think there's certainly a lot more scope for that kind of work with a different kind of theatre.
7: I sort of think it misses the whole point uh, of what needs to be done in the next period. I, I, I think it would be very interesting if everybody stopped talking about a new building and and decided that, if you like, instead of saying, what sort of vessel will we have, and then wondering about what sort of content the vessel will hold... That I, I would be very keen personally to see a much uh, more highly developed investigation of what the content needs to be, and then let the vessel take form around that. We know throughout Europe that um, amazing theatre as practice can be done in any space. It has been done, Peter Brooks' Theatre outside Paris is a semi-demolished cinema. Um, theatre is a thing, you don't need theatres to have theatre. But it all depends on your definition of theatre.
5: When the Abbey started, there was no other subsidised theatre. Indeed, the Abbey was the first subsidised theatre in Europe, let alone Ireland. Since the birth of Druid, now 25 years ago-ish, we now have a whole whole realm of professionals making theatre in a subsidised environment in Ireland.
0: Logically, Martin McDonagh should have happened in the Abbey Theatre so that the Abbey's remit... While being true to itself, its place in the national scene has changed with the development of all this new work, all these new writers, all these new theatres. So that the Abbey doesn't kind of quite have the same, say, cutting edge clout as it would have had um, when it was the only seriously producing new Irish work theatre
6: there are companies around the country who would very much say, well, we are as much a national theatre as the Abbey. Um, I think, you know, already, you know, I've heard people refer to Druid as a kind of national theatre. Um, and, and certainly in the way in which, you know, say companies like Druid would open plays, you know, sort of more or less simultaneously in Galway and London, they are as much international ambassadors of theatre or national ambassadors of theatre as the Abbey. I think the answer perhaps is if you look at the Abbey's history... The one thing the Abbey has always been very, very good at is bringing in talent, whether writing talent, acting, directing, design from all over the country. That somebody will start doing something somewhere in the country and just because the Abbey has the sheer critical mass, because it's the biggest, it draws people in and it, it consistently has drawn in the best. I do think that there are perhaps limits to what anyone can do in a four-week rehearsal period. But also with the kind of expectation that comes with an Abbey play, that you've got four-week rehearsal and there's so much going on and there's such an expectation at the end of it, this is going to be a play on the stage of the National Theatre, that it's much less flexible than, say, the kind of things that, say, Rough Magic have done to nurture New writing and actually have a mentoring program where a director would mentor um, a, a new
2: writer. In Ireland, um, generally rehearsal periods are four weeks. I mean that's that's become the norm, um, and it is it is a problem in the sense in which it's it's quite different from say European theatres where where and obviously there's no absolute rule on this, but the the um, it'd be much more common to have eight or ten. Uh, Weeks um, abroad, um, so it is one of the frustrations of being a director, I suppose, is that to a certain extent you are at one level trying to explore and keep keep options open and give people the, the freedom, uh, but on the other hand, and I suppose this is the this is another um, responsibility of the director is to kind of bring the plane in to land, you know, uh, on, on, on schedule. There's n- the, 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 the expectation um, of the Peacock or of the Abbey, if they have a director in, is that he or she is, is is reasonably able to, on day one of rehearsal, put everybody into the plane and take them up into the air. But, but the expectation is that four weeks later they'll, they'll land that plane more or less ready for an audience to begin to, to see it. They're four weeks
1: in a rehearsal room and suddenly going on the stage is a huge... Um change actors will always say they can't wait till they get to the stage but when they do get there that first uh, day it's it's a huge change for them because uh, uh it is so so different from the rehearsal room no matter how much people like myself in the, in the stage man would try to uh, replicate things in the, in the rehearsal room um uh, being on stage is where what it's all about and um so it, again particularly with with a new play uh you want to try out ideas you're not too sure whether something is going to work or not that's why you need an audience there and it allows the director and the actors uh to um meet up the next day think about the performance uh little uh, changes they might make and uh to 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 bring out the best in that performance and um that's what the preview is for, because when you get to the opening night, uh, hopefully and normally, that's where uh, everyone is happy they've, they've arrived. This is, this is the end product, and it's just a matter of repeating that then for the rest of the run. But the, the preview allows you sort of a, a margin of error. It allows you to, to make the changes to make that adjustment.
3: you
8: and keep
5: an eye on the house i'm sick minding it me eyes are getting crossed from staring at it i won't watch it anymore i'm not a guard dog am i red
1: don't think so never
5: heard you bark
2: if i was a dog itself i'd get scraps she won't buy meat red we
5: can't afford meat what about our pensions what about a rainy day it's not raining today get back and mind the house or i'll put you somewhere you don't like
6: i don't like the coal shed
1: hope you don't put her in the coal shed, do you? <laughs> it's too good for. Her. Do you have a coal shed, Dredza? Yeah, we have one out the back.
5: Do
0: you like it?
5: No, it's dark and it's dirty. I don't mind the dark. I'm used to the dark. It's the dust. Get up your nose and into your eyes. Don't put her in the coal shed, Sally. Someone has to give the orders. I'm the eldest.
3: Martin and Peter uh, are both well known to me and we met and I read the play and what I loved most about it and um, apart from you know Peter's fantastic you know visual textured writing which is just so um, easy to, to, to spend time with was the fact that it was set in this constituency it was set in this location it's you know it's, a, it's about you know young young lads hanging out on the canal literally five minutes from this theatre and I was really find that really appealing to have a piece of work that actually talks about this area um, and an area that has changed so much in the last certainly since P- Peter was writing uh, the, the period Peter's writing about in the 70s but even changed so much in the last 10 years you know with the IFSC and the docklands development around that area you know it's almost unrecognizable and there's only that little tiny pocket of old dublin left and i loved uh, i loved the this the, you know the story that he was telling about uh, you know about a time that seems to be forgotten about because visually the area has changed so much but yet those communities are still living there those people are still very much alive and well and in the pubs and telling the stories and telling the yarns you know and I thought it was a really good way for us to open our uh, our celebrations for our 100 year anniversary to have a play that was was very much about the location of this thi- this theatre and and where the people live around it you know
0: I'm also a director. I also direct myself. So I kind of have to be careful, you know, on one level. It's Martin's piece now, the the director and the actors. I always say there are three plays, Uh, the play you write, the play that the actors discover in rehearsals, and the play that the audience find in performance. In a kind of a way my job is done. Now I know there will be rewrites, so I'll be available to rewrite the script during rehearsals. And I love that process. I love the idea that when an actor has an idea about his character, as he begins to inhabit the role, you know, an actor will obviously say, I just feel that at this point he should do this or something should happen here. or I feel very strongly that what's going on. And, and if I really feel, yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. Then that gives me again that enthusiasm to go away and maybe run with that idea a little bit. Um, and develop maybe a section of the play that I had felt was underdeveloped or a line of the character in the story that didn't kind of quite make sense and maybe the actor has brought a lot of light on that a lot of clarity and then I can go away with that and work on it and then give it back to Martin but it's important for me also not to be trying to be a director of the piece I think to be honest um, it probably
2: um, is in the Third or fourth week of rehearsals, you're still in the business of speculating. Um, but if you if you've experienced the process, you begin to know um, whether there's life in the show and there's life in the scenes. Um, now that life can be something. Sometimes it might be to do with. Tension. Sometimes it might be to do with laughter. Sometimes it might be. But ultimately, I suppose the key word is truth. Whether you kind of feel something is something is true and it's interesting. And if you, um, as a director, are are engaged by it, because I suppose the another responsibility of the director. Uh, one way of thinking about the director is that that in a way he or she is the kind of is the audience for the first for the for during the rehearsal period. He has to or she has to kind of anticipate. Um, how the play is looking and sounding and and reading from the audience's perspective. So I sit, you know, outside of the rehearsal area, the stage area, and in that sense, I'm supposed to have the eyes and ears of the of the audience. So I think if you're pulled into it and 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 engaged yourself, and you find it, um, you know, interesting, then it's likely that 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 moment
6: is working or that scene is working. I think there is a need for national theatre. I mean, there's one line of thought that would say that national theatres are obsolete, that we've moved into a kind of post-national world. That I don't think that's the case. I still think the fact that we are interested enough in the national theatre to talk about it on its 100th anniversary suggests that it's important to people in varying ways. And, I mean, that may sound like a kind of easy answer to it, but I think that in itself proves that there is an interest, a need in Ireland for some kind of national theatre.
7: Uh, One of the problems the Abbey has in the contemporary sense is that I think people are looking to it to do everything, to encourage new writing, to deal with tradition, to deal with the canon, uh, to deal with the history, uh, and and do lots of things, and then also to operate uh, from a base in Dublin city centre, and then tour, and all of that. I think there's too many expectations. That is a real burden, because those expectations um, are sitting on the Abbey's shoulders, but it's not resourced to fulfill many of them. So it can only ever fulfill some. So, uh, you know, if it was actually to start to, uh, as a model of a national theater, not just as it is as the Abbey, but if the model of a national theater is about um, for the nation, then what this nation is, is not at all clear at the moment.
0: I always think of the audience. I mean, if you're writing in the theatre and you're not thinking of the audience, you're in real, real trouble, I think. Yeah, I'm really acutely conscious of the audience. So that I, I'll always be looking for the comic moment. I mean, I think my work is suffused with humour uh, because I, I think it's our saving grace in a way, you know? Uh, being able to see the funny side of something, even at the darkest moment, you know? Um, being able to rise above the defeats, the reverses of life, you know? Um that somehow you can manage to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and kind of see the funny side of things that weren't funny at the time. And uh, and also the seriousness of of, of of people, you know, and I play a lot on that too, in terms of poking fun at the Reds, our character, and how serious he is about everything and so on. And w- when we talk about universality, you see, you can't write the universal play. Things are parochial, you, you know, in a way, trying to get away from the parochialness is a mistake sometimes. Bertold Brecht said that the most parochial was the most universal. And he may be true, you know. Paddy Cavanagh said the war of Troy was a parochial affair. They're both right.
8: Why are you
1: not at school? I'm on the Mitch. I thought you loved school. Not anymore. hate school now. I was sent out to get you. Not going in. You'll be sent away if you don't come to school. I'd be sent away even if I do. You're the brainiest
2: in the class. What are you starting to Mitch now for?
1: I'm celebrating.
2: What's there to celebrate? The fact that I'm a prime suspect in a robbery. One of the reasons I'm, I'm attracted to the play is actually that that it has one foot in a in a particular sort of realism and that that's almost has a kind of a like a documentary reality to it but it has another foot um, or if you can have a foot planted in fantasy a wing uh, maybe kind of that's touching in the, in, into the into the sort of more more fantastical thing there's also a kind of quite strong Marking in the play of the darkness of that society as well, you know, the issues to do with alcoholism and a drink and issues to do with school and corporal punishment that that oh. so so in that sense that that is that is embedded in the truth of the play. There is another truth which is actually about. Um, acknowledging that and 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 uh, and but rising beyond it too, and and in that sense, it's it's a comic piece, not in the sense of laughs, although there are a lot of laughs in it, but comic in its in its, in its in its in its impulse. I mean, it ends with a kiss, and it ends up with with um, the character saying, "It's not every day that this happens," and I think that sense of. The special and the surprise and the transforming is is a dominant note in the play.
3: It's not so specific that it would isolate anybody in any way. It's just a lovely story being very well told. So I think it's got a very broad appeal. And what I like particularly about it is that because the two the two central protagonists are young boys, young men, teenagers, you know, it's kind of got an all ages feel to it, you know. So um, you know, the aspiration is that we'll be able to appeal to the younger audiences as well as uh, maybe the more uh, established, that going adults and um, from you know this this local community but also then across dublin and the country
1: hello pam standing by fire announcement sound q2 sound q3 4 5 5.5 and sound q6 stand by at xq .6 and lxq3 fire announcement and sound q2 go welcome to the peacock theater
3: we would like to remind you to switch off your mobile phone and take a note of your nearest fire exit. We hope you enjoy the performance, and once again, please make sure that your mobile phone has been switched.
1: I thought it was very good, pretty interesting. It's just been all days. Lucky lumps. They should bring them out more often.
3: (laughs) I thought it was great. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, The interaction with the audience, the eye contact was excellent. I thought the actors were really, really good. Probably thought it was very true to to sort of the Sheridan upbringing. That's very good. It was a good play. Um, dialogue was good. Uh, the acting was superb. Um, storyline, you know, I'm probably early anyway, and uh, it's I see it every day. But certainly the cast was great, and um, it was very funny.